This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 142. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst, and today I am solo without my hubby, Brett Hurst. But we are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement, and this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. So for those of you who love hearing Brett's voice, he is not here today. I am doing this one solo Uh, We are trying desperately to finish a home remodel project that has been going on for far too long, but looks like we are finally in the home stretch and we'll be finishing it. So we have just been insanely busy. And oftentimes when we are both at home, we've got people in our house working and there's all kinds of noise. And so we just have not had the capacity to really do this. So I am going to knock out an episode today that is from our listener mailbag. So what we do is, those of you who've listened for a long time, we once in a while we'll just tackle questions that have come through from listeners, from people that we've worked with in person, just all over the place. And today we're going to take on three questions that have come, one from a husband, one from a wife, and one from a couple together, and see if we can kind of help encourage along the way. So the first question that we are going to tackle today is from a husband, and he says that he and his wife have been married for 12 years. They have two young children, and he says in general, they have a very happy marriage. Great. That's wonderful. He says the one or the biggest area that creates conflict is the different ways that they parent. He says, now, again, this is coming from the husband's point of view, but he feels like his wife is far too lenient. He describes her as often rescuing the children from consequences, et cetera, et cetera. Again, from his perspective, he says that his wife feels that his style of parenting is too harsh, too strict, and he wants to know how in the world do they come together on this and parent their children from a healthy place. So I just want to say first, thank you for the question. This is such a common thing that couples deal with once they become parents. And it's completely, it's so universal, in fact, that when we've talked in the past about the top six categories of conflict for married couples, parenting styles is on that list. And there's a reason for that. Generally, we either... We marry someone who is a little bit different from us. Some people will say we seek out someone who's going to sort of not complete us in the sense that the Jerry Maguire line, uh, you complete me, is, but just someone who has different strengths than we do. And oftentimes, where that really lands is how we were raised. And the differences in how the two people were raised can really show up under a hot light once they become parents themselves. So it makes a lot of sense, actually, if you think about it, that you you typically marry someone that's a little different than you. That person is going to be different largely because they've come from a different family of origin who did things differently than you did. 
What we always tell couples is, first of all, you've got to stop and realize that your different styles of parenting, assuming that we're not moving into the crossing the line into the harsh parent being abusive or the harsh parent being cruel or the lenient parent not letting their children do anything for themselves. I mean, assuming we're not crossing the line into terribly unhealthy behavior here, it actually is fine that the two of you have different styles of parenting. And there's no need to look at either style as a strength and the other as a weakness. They actually both contain strengths and weaknesses. I've yet to meet a perfect parent, you know, who does this absolutely perfectly. Nobody does. From Brett and my personal experience, we really sort of learned our way around this as our kids got older. I think that's what happens with most parents too, is they start out like that first 10 years of parenting. They're just trying to figure out how in the world are they going to parent. And then they kind of realize that they parent differently. And then hopefully they try to get a little more on the same page. At least that's what happened to us. But Once we started to realize that the other person's way of parenting, just because it was different from our own, I'll just talk for myself. Once I realized that Brett's style of parenting was not weak or bad or unhealthy, and I actually recognized it as a strength, then I could kind of lean into it. And eventually, where Brett and I landed was we kind of morphed into a much more similar type of parent. Not exactly the same. And I will say that even as our kids have gotten, you know, our kids are now adults, our daughter's 32 and our son is 28. We have grandchildren and everything. But what I will say about both of them, you know, I think both of our kids would say, well, if I wanted to talk about A, B, or C, I might go talk to dad about it. But if I wanted to talk about X, Y, or Z, I'd probably pick mom and talk to her about it. Again, not that our kids like pick sides or anything like that, but I think it's just, you know, your kids do know that you you are two different people. And as they get older, they figure out that, oh, mom's a little more this way, dad's a little more this way. You know, they kind of figure out who they can lean on for different things. I mean, also kids know when they're young who they can get away with stuff and push buttons and all that, which is a different conversation. But let's get back. I'm kind of drifting here. Let's get back to the question at hand, which is this couple who's parenting very differently. I would say really and truly come together, not when things are heated, you know, not when you're frustrated with what has just gone down with your kids or anything. I would really come together as a couple and talk about, let's really figure out what's going on here. Because I think there are a lot of layers to the way we parent. We've probably said on this show before that A lot of us, when we become parents, particularly if we have had, say, a traumatic childhood or a childhood where we had a lot of unmet needs, oftentimes we are trying to reparent ourselves by the way we parent our own children. And that can be healing, but it can also be very problematic because our children are not us. And so what we want to talk about are are those kinds of questions you know are am i behaving in a way with my kids where i'm trying to actually heal wounds that were that took place when i was growing up things that i didn't get from my caretakers or my mom and dad or my grandparents or whatever oftentimes 
parents who are very, very, I'll just say accommodating, who are looked upon as, oh, too lenient or too soft, oftentimes are that way because perhaps they did not get comfort in difficult situations when they were growing up. Uh, Maybe they had parents or a parent who was very, very harsh and very strict. And so what they're trying to do is bring about that comfort for themselves even. It's possible that the other part of that is true. You know, someone who's maybe a more strict parent, maybe they didn't have boundaries growing up. Maybe they didn't have ground rules and and they got away with too much. And so there's an anxiety or a fear thinking, uh, you know, we've got to rein them in and, you know, all of this. But I think when we really talk about these things, when we're calm and when we can think clearly, we might actually come up with a better plan of how we want to raise our children. Because most of the time, couples who find themselves in this space will say, we have the same values. I mean, if you pull up 30,000 feet from our mar- you know, to our marriage, our family, we want to raise our kids with the same values. We've got the same kind of guiding principles for life. We just do it very differently. And how we get to that point is very at cross purposes sometimes. So I think having a conversation around kind of why do we parent in the style that we do? Where is that coming from? What is the value behind that? Because that really can get lost in the shuffle when we get angry at each other for being too harsh or we get angry for being too lenient. What can get lost in the shuffle is what is driving that style of parenting? Let's let's figure out what that is. And then I think it's helpful to kind of talk to each other about, okay, I feel like what I bring to the table brings this strength, but I also can recognize that I'm maybe a little too soft on them or I don't hold them accountable with their consequences. And maybe the stricter parent could be like, you know, what I bring to the table is pretty good on setting the boundaries. What I'm not great on is bringing some compassion to the space when the kids disobey, you know, that kind of thing. And I think when you can start talking as a couple around that, What do I see in me that's a strength? What do I recognize as a weakness? And what do I see in you that's a strength? And what do I recognize as might be something that's not good for the kids? Again, these conversations outside of the heat of the moment are really, really helpful. I hope that's encouraging. I, I, you know, that's kind of where Brett and I landed is we just really tried to recognize what the strengths were. And we tried to just kind of really play into what those strengths were. I think I've told the story before on the show where there were times where I would really recognize that I just wanted to be way too harsh on the kids. Like someone did something and I was like, all right, everyone's going to be grounded for six months. You know, no one's leaving their room. And uh, sometimes I would call Brett at work and be like, okay, this is what happened. Don't you think we should ground them for six months? And he'd just kind of be like, "Um, that seems, I don't know, a little harsh. So he would sometimes be like, well, let's try this. And, And just having that conversation away from the kids would sometimes sort of get me thinking a little more clearly. And things were the other way. You know, Brett would often ask me, you know, well, how would you manage this? Again, when your kids are a, are little and they're under a, a certain age, sometimes you've got to discipline right in the moment. You know, they throw a tantrum and you've got to discipline them or provide a consequence right in the moment. But as your kids get older, disciplining doesn't have to happen right in the moment. And as a parent, you can give yourself space 
to say, I'm going to think about a consequence and I'm going to get back to you. That's obviously when your kids are a little bit older. Anyway, I hope that's helpful. I hope that's encouraging for the person who wrote in. Let's take the second mailbag question. This is from a wife. And this woman says, we have been married less than a year. Um, Congratulations, by the way. She says, how do we manage simple differences? She says, I've heard y'all talk about, you know, like sexual differences and all that kind of stuff. She says, I'm talking about just simple differences like the way we want to unwind after a work day. She says, she gives another example, or whether or not the television should be on while we're preparing and eating dinner. So that's about all the information uh, she gives me. She doesn't give me any more arc of the story than that. So first of all, congratulations to this couple. What I want to say about being married for less than a year is you are still figuring this out. And there is a lot of adjustment happening no matter how long you've known each other, no matter how long you've been in a relationship. If you have not you know, shared your space together before, then it's an adjustment. It's you've got to figure out how to live in the same place. And all of your daily rituals and needs and all of that are just, it's hard to negotiate. And not every couple just set, gets right in a groove. So give yourself a little bit of, cut yourself a little bit of slack and give yourself some grace here because this is really normal. And so what we will tell couples is the same thing that so many of management of our married life is sitting down and talking about these things when we're not upset about them or when we're not frustrated about them. These kind of differences are really common. I mean, we've we've talked with couples for years about just the simple thing of, you know, when I walk in the door at the end of the day, what I'm hoping to find is blank. But what I usually find is blank. And and that can be a hundred different things. And figuring out what is meaningful to us and what we really need in particular spaces of our day, I think is really important. Again, we can't always have it. We can't always curate it to a perfect day. If you are coming home from work and let's say you have a just a type of job that is very emotionally taxing, or maybe you're around people all day long and you're an introvert and you're coming in the door and all you need is just some time where you don't have to talk. That is incredibly important. And if we can figure out how to curate our schedules to match that, I think that's great. I think it's important that we talk about why we need what we need. But she mentions here how how we want to unwind after a workday. I'm assuming by her putting this in this question that maybe she and her husband just have different ways of unwinding. Maybe he wants to go to the gym and work out and she just wants to sit and have a nap or read a book or something like that. I mean, I say, A, you don't have to do everything together and certainly you don't have to do everything the exact same way. You know, we've had couples who, and again, this is a little easier to do before you have children, but, and this couple doesn't have kids yet, so they can sort of curate this how they want. But we've had couples who, the introvert who wants space and quiet after work, he or she has taken an extra long route home, not because they don't want to be home and they don't love being at home, but simply because they just need that buffer to decompress from being around people all day long, you know, and we've had people who are extroverts 
who work in a job that's very isolating. And by the end of the workday, they have got to talk to somebody because it's just they haven't been around enough people all day long. So they have curated their end of workday to go and get coffee or a glass of wine with a friend on their way home just so they can have some time to like talk and laugh and kind of be extroverted, you know. So I'm just of the mindset that whatever our workday for most of us, I mean, it's it's a lot. I mean, we mo- we work 40 plus hours a week. That's a big chunk of our week. And it can take a toll if we're just kind of like coming home and not having any plan for how we unwind. You know, I really, one question we ask couples a lot is, what does your typical evening look like? That's a question we ask couples a lot, whether they've got kids or not. Because what we're wanting to find out is that space from the time that you get home from work to the time that you go to sleep is an incredibly valuable time for you personally, for your marriage relationship, and certainly for your family, your relationship with your kids. And a lot of couples are just phoning it in during that time. And we're trying to get couples to sort of be like a little more... Let's create a rule of life around what our evenings look like. One of the gifts of the pandemic was that we had time and space, particularly in our evenings, to create some ritual and some tradition. And so we had couples tell us all the time back in 2020, we are just loving the fact that our whole family is sitting down to dinner, you know, every night of the week. And we haven't done that in so long. And our our family or, you know, as a married couple, we're taking walks in the evening. We haven't done that in years. And there was just this almost a sweet relief around we had permission all of a sudden because, you know, global pandemic we had permission to actually invest in our homes again and in our families. And I'm not at all trying to, you know, say the pandemic was this glorious time. I'm just saying there were some gifts from that season that if we're going to be wise about the rest of our lives, we would try to to put into our regular life post-pandemic as well. And one of those was how what our evenings look like. And I think that's why we've been talking to so many couples about you know, asking them that question, what is that set of time, that part of your day, what does it look like? And are you willing to really sort of lay out what your values are around that rather than it just being a time where we just, you know, rush in the door after work and we're hurried through prepping for dinner and, you know, helping the kids get their homework done and all of that's it's absolutely necessary, but how we do it, I think is is pretty important. So anyway, just getting back to the idea of understanding that you and your spouse are going to have different ways that you do things and communicating what those are. Going back to the idea too, that one of you doesn't do it right and the other person doesn't do it wrong. It's just different. And so the idea of communicating what those needs are and navigating that. I think that's a wise couple who does that and doesn't just expect that we'll do everything everything exactly the same way. So let's move on to the third and final mailbag question. And this is from a couple. They have been married just over 25 years. They have four children and they are about to become empty nesters uh, for the first time. 
And they say in their email that we've watched some of our friends do the empty nest phase successfully, and we've watched others not do it very well. They say we've been so busy the past decade doing the co-parenting thing that we really have not prepared much for this upcoming season, and we're a little worried. They're just being honest. So how do we make this the best season of our marriage? Well, first, I just love that this question came in, and I definitely love that last, the way they worded it. How do we make this next season the best season of our marriage? And I don't know that marriage has so many great seasons, especially when you've been married, you know, 25 or more years and you've, you know, raised kids together and built a home together. It's my daughter and I laugh because our three grandbabies right now are about to turn four, about to turn three, just turned one. And we find ourselves almost every week going, okay, this is my favorite phase. You know, this age is my favorite age. And then we laugh and go, we just said that last week. You know, we say that every time. And I think the thing, the same can be said for marriage too, because there are so many great seasons in marriage and the dating phase is great. The honeymoon phase is fun for most couples and, and, you know, your first child. And there's just a, there's just so much to celebrate, but definitely your empty nest season can be such a great season for you as a couple. It has been for me and Brett for sure. One of the great things about it is that you you just have a little more time to sort of, you know, find each other again. Just like this couple said, that can be a little that can bring some anxiety because if you've been carpooling and being the soccer mom and working and managing a house especially with multiple children and it gets busy and we've known so many couples who've been great co-parents together. But once empty nest arrives, they're like, hmm, who are you? <laughs> Why did we marry each other when, you know, when there's no kids to focus on and no rush around to focus on? So one thing I would say is if you can start having the conversation around what does our empty nest phase look like, how do we want to make it su- successful, if you can do that early I, I think that's great. For this couple, they're they're about on the cusp of it and they really haven't had time. So I would say start having the conversation for sure. What do we want to, you know, do we want to give ourselves a little space right after the last one leaves the nest to grieve a little bit, to have some space? There were tears definitely when both of our kids left the nest, but we sort of planned for that and gave space for that, which was good. So, but we also wanted to lean into what are we going to look forward to for ourselves, not just our marriage relationship, which is key, but just as individuals, you know, what do we want to, what are things we put off? You know, they say parents, a lot of times will, when they're parenting, active parenting, they put themselves last on the list and that's kind of easy to do. What are things you've wanted to get back to doing that have been put on the back burner while you've been mommying and daddying around for years? What are things you might want to try as a couple? Do you want to get back to, you know, having a regular date night every week? Um, Maybe that's something that you haven't had time for. And maybe that's part of why it's contributing to the anxiety of this next season is because we haven't had a lot of time where we've just had uninterrupted conversation and time to really enjoy each other's company again. Do we want to take a trip? Do we want to start volunteering together now that we'll have a little bit more time? The other thing I want to say too is to be 
be careful not to overbook yourself. This is a thing. This is just for, you know, the five cents of advice that this is. But this is something that I made a mistake. When we became empty nesters, excuse me, I realized there were several things I had been sort of putting on the back burner and like, you know, I'll do this when we don't have kids in the house. And whether it was volunteering or helping with a particular ministry at church or whatever. And I remember that fall semester that our youngest had left for college, I just like filled up my calendar with just all the things I thought I was miss- had been missing out on for those years. And it wasn't long before I realized I had overscheduled myself and was way busier than I wanted to be. And so I just say, don't give into the temptation that just because you have, quote, more time to do things, that that necessarily means you need to fill all of that time because it doesn't. And if you're someone like me who really thrives on having white space on your calendar, give yourself that gift. Uh, if you've been mommying and daddying for 18 plus years, you haven't had much of that. And so I say, give that to yourself. If that means going on a trip, if that means going on a silent retreat by yourself, do it. I, I know that doesn't appeal to a lot of people, but it does appeal to me. You know, but just and and again, going back to what are your evenings going to look like once you don't have kids that you've got to prepare dinner for, and once you've got kids that you don't have to run on Friday night and watch them play football, and you don't have to do all the stuff. What are you craving um, for yourself and for each other? And I really. I love the idea of couples coming together and having long conversations around that and multiple conversations around what that looks like and and really allowing themselves to turn toward each other and figure out what that season's going to be. I think you're going to be okay. I think the fact that you're asking this question means that you have it in you to to make this the best season ever. So I hope this episode has been encouraging for somebody listening. And uh, definitely let us know if you've got questions or things, topics that you want us to tackle on the podcast, please send us an email. We would really enjoy including those because uh, it means something to us as well. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. And if you're enjoying Marriage to the Max, help us keep it going by supporting Home Encouragement. Just go to homeencouragement.org and click the donate button. Of course, any amount will help. And uh, we would be thrilled if you would rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this. This helps more people to find Marriage to the Max. Well, thank y'all so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.